So let's begin with a Gemara that is well known, and yet we can always revisit it and discover new layers of depth, like any piece of Gemara. So source number one is a Gemara in Masechet Yivamis, Daf Samach Beis, Amad Beis. Yivamis, page 62, the Gemara, which discusses on that page actually marriage and relationships and the values of marriage and the virtues of marriage and the disadvantage of a man without a wife, how a wife keeps the man uh, straight and blessed and so forth. In that Gemara, there's a story. Amru, they said, Shneim Asar Elev Zugim Talmidim Oyulele Rebbe Akiva Migeves Ad Antipoyras. Rebbe Akiva had 12,000 peers of Talmidim from this, with the geographical location from one city all the way to stretching to another city. The Kulon Meisu Beperik Echad Mepnei Shalei Nohagu Kovet Zelazah. All died during one period because they did not behave with respect to each other. The world was desolate. Rashi says, Torah was about to be forgotten. Rabbi Akiva the Rebbe came to our teachers in the south of Eretz Yisrael. And he began all over again. He taught them the Torah. Who were these? Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Lazar ben Shamua. These five students of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yudh, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Lazar ben Shamua, they established Torah. Tana we have learned in Abraisa, Kula Mesu Mi Pesach All of the 12,000 peers of Rabbi Akiva students passed on in the period between Pesach. And Shavuos, and of course we all know that this story in Gemara has been enshrined in Jewish law, not only in Jewish history and Shulchan Aruch, because it is the primary reason for the mourning laws during the period of Sphere Seimer between Pesach and Shavuos. 24,000. 12,000 cup, 12,000 peers. So 12 and 12 is 24. It's been many years since the timetable, huh? How do you come up with 25? Okay. 24,000 Talmud. It's interesting. I mean, the Tal- he calls it. He could have said twenty-four thousand Talmidim. He says twelve thousand chavrusas, twelve thousand peers. It's an interesting expression. It's not like they were couples. <laughs> they obviously weren't couples. They were Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva. So uh, it's a very interesting expression. We'll soon get to it. There's the very well-known question that many have brought up over the generations, and that is, how did this happen? After all, a Rebbe must be reflected on some level in his students. Even if students fall short from the stature of the Rebbe. But everybody knows that whatever a Rebbe is involved in, somehow it's projected in the lives, in the behavior, in the hashkafa, in the perspective, in the Weltanschauung of the students. You have Rebbe's that are immersed, their main focus is in one aspect of Yiddishkeit, and it's reflected in some way in their Talmidim. 
and other Rebbes who have a different koch, a different aspect, a different unique, as the Gemara has an expression, mitzvah the havazari beitvei, the mitzvah that they're involved in most, and that's also expressed in the Talmud. Rabbi Akiva is the person every child knows who on the Pasuk in Gedoshim, Vahavta Lerecha Kamoicha, said, Zek Lal Gadol B'Tayre. Vahavta Lerecha Kamoicha is not a mitzvah, one mitzvah, it's not a Pasuk in Parashat Gedoshim, it's Klal Gadol B'Tayre, meaning it's the fundamental Klal, the collective idea that includes Torah. Very similar to what Hillel would say, or what Hillel said in an earlier generation in Masech Shabbos Daflamad Aleph, that actually it's the whole Torah, Kola Torah Kula. Rabbi Akiva says, Zeklal Godel Batayr. How is it then that from all the Rebbes, from all the Tanoim, from all the Amirayim, it was the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva that Loi Nag who covered Zebazah, who failed and failed in such a powerful way as we can see from the results, this great teaching of the Rebbe Rabbi Akiva. That's a well-known question, a lot has been said about it. Today we're going to address it from a particular angle, but we're going to now change subjects completely. And Be'ezir Hashem will get back to it soon. There is a fascinating argument between Rabbi Akiva and his colleague Rabbi Yossi Haglili about a different topic completely. Second source, Brochus, Perik, Zion, Mishnah, Gimel. It has to do with the laws of Zimun. We all know when people are sitting together at a meal, there's an obligation if you have three people. The Mishnah begins the seventh chapter of Brachas. Three who have eaten together have an obligation not just to bench independently and move on, but to create a zimun, meaning a joint collective experience of benching. Zimun in its classic sense was one of them introducing the grace after meals, saying it, and the other two listening to his zimun. It has developed over the generations, as the poskim explain, whether he says it and they just listen, whether he says it and they say word for word, whether he says, till birches, at the end of Azana Sakal, and that's what they listen to, and uh, they uh, repeat word after word quietly, and then they do the rest more or less on their own. There's different fashions of zimun, how it developed as a result of the natural reality, and that is that it's difficult for people to listen to one man benching and be quiet the whole time, especially when there's food in front of them in our generations. Ketzad Mezamnin asks the, the Mishnah, how do you do Zimun? What is it? What do you do? So Bishloisha, when you have three Jews, Oimer, he says, Nevarech, like we say, Rabbi Nevarech, right? Or in some people say in Yiddish, Rabbi Isai, and they answer you, Hishem, then he says, Birushus, Moran of Rabbanan, Nevarech, Nevarich, let us bless Hashem Shachalnu Mishaloi. Bishloishavahu, if there's three plus him, in other words, there's four, then Oimer Barchu. Then he says, You bless. Not Nevarich, because there's three outside of him. He says, Barchu, you bless, because there's three outside of him. Basara, when you have ten, Oimer Nevarich Leloikenu. Now you get to add Hashem's name, which is what we do. When you have a minion benching, you don't say Nevarich Shachalnu Mishaloi. Nevarich. Again, if it's ten plus him, Oimer Barchu. He says Barchu Lelakein. Echad Asarav, Echad Riboy. Once you hit ten, there's no difference. If you have ten, or you have ten Riboy, ten myriads, you may have ten thousand Jews. You may have a hundred thousand Jews at a meal. The Nusach, the text remains uniform. If it's three, 
till 10, it's Nevarech. And if it's 10 and up, you mention Hashem's name, which is what we do. Nevarech Eloikeinu Shachalnu Mishaloi. As we'll soon see, this is the view of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Yossi HaGlili had a very different shita. He says, If it's a hundred, you add Lashem Eloikeinu. From 10 to 100, the text changes. But Elef, you have a thousand Jews eating together. Let's bless Hashem our God, the God of Israel. If you have 10,000 Jews eating, we ever had a dinner with 10,000 Jews? Okay, but, huh? See my shots, but it's not no meal. Unless you have the back seats and you bring in the popcorn and the potato chips and the sandwiches, the pastrami sandwiches. But for us laymen, uh, we don't all get to have a meal, biribui. Uh, but so this is a unique concept. Okay? Be'ezer Hashem, one day, 10,000 Jews at a meal. Oymen nevarich la'ashem alakeinu alakei Yisrael alakei atzvois yoyshiv akruvim ala mazayin shachalnu biribui v'hu. If it's 10,000 plus him, oymer baruchu. They always respond to his version of greeting them. Just like we do with three or ten, and everyone responds. This is the view of Rabbi Yisraeli. Rabbi Yisraeli sums up his view. The bracha always changes based on the number of the community that is benching. Shenemar, Pasuk says in Tehillim, B'makhelois, Baruchu Elikim, Hashem, Emekar Yisrael. The blessing is B'makhelois, in communities, in the plural. The blessing changes based on the nature and the size of the kila. Amar Rabbi Akiva, my dear friend Rabbi Yossi, Mamatzinu B'beis HaKnesses. Let's look at davening in the shul. Echad merubin ve'echad muwatin. Oimer baruchu es Hashem. When it comes to baruchu, no difference if the minion consists of ten people. The minion consists of a hundred people, of a thousand people, of ten thousand people, or of one hundred thousand Jews. There's the same text. You don't say baruchu es Hashem. Oh, we have a hundred people. Baruch Hashem alekeinu. Baruch Hashem alekeisno. It's always baruchu es Hashem amvoyrech. Rabbi Akiva compares benching to davening. Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel corrects him by davening. He says, Baruch Hu Hashem HaMavoyrech. Not Baruch Hu Hashem, Baruch Hu Hashem HaMavoyrech, which is actually what we do uh, by, um, by davening. Just this is not relevant to the Shir. The Shnoi Seliyo, the Vilna Gaon, explains this Vuhu, this concept of Vuhu, the advantage in saying Nevarich uh, is that you include yourself you include yourself in the, in the process. We bless. The, the, the advantage in saying Baruchu is to demonstrate that there's a larger, a larger group of people benching. It's like I'm telling you to bless. In other words, it's even more than three or more than ten. And that's why Rabbi Yossi Aglili says by davening, we say Baruchu es Hashem HaMavoyrach in order to include himself. Blessed, the God who is blessed, so it includes himself. So by benching, we take, don't say baruchu, we keep it nevarech, to include yourself. And by davening, like Rabbi Yisraeli says, we add the hamavarech. But we don't change the text when there are more than ten Jews. What is the principle, the underlying principle, the argument between Rabbi Yisraeli and Rabbi Akiva? 
If you have 10,000 Jews, do you change the text of benching? Between 10 and 10,000, 100,000, a million? One day, a billion? Or there's no difference. Once you hit 10, once you hit your minion, you're good to go. It's Elekeinu. Item number one. Next source. Gemara and Baba Basra, Davchesa Meralef. Kedetanya, we learned a price. Hamudur hanoa meyan if somebody makes a nether a vow, I am not going to benefit from the residents of this city. You know, sometimes Jews get into a fight with each other. You ever heard of the concept? A guy, not in Muncie, but a guy gets angry at a city. And he says, this city, I'm never coming back. I'm never visiting you. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to deal with you. I'm making a nether. I will never have a no from the residents of this city. Anybody who has spent, who's been living in that city for 12 months, he is deemed a resident. And if I made that vow, I cannot benefit from him anymore. If he's there for 11 months, for 10 months, he's not, I said a resident, sorry, a citizen, citizen, I stand corrected. He says, I make a net, I'm not going to have enough from the citizens. May if you're there less than 12 months, you're not a citizen. If he makes a vow not to benefit from the residents of the city, from the people living there, then then the time is 30 days. If you're just visiting there for a few days, for a week, for three weeks, you're not even called a resident of the city. You're a guest. You're a tourist. Once you're there 30 days, you're not a citizen. You're not a full-fledged citizen. But you're a resident. So it depends. If I make a neder, I'm not going to have a no from Anshia here, from the citizens, it's 12 months. From the residents, it's 30 days. Asks the Ran, Rabbeinu Nisim in Masechta Nedarim Dav Peidalad, he asks the following question. What about somebody who comes after I make the neder? I make the neder, I will not have a no from the citizens of this particular city. Okay. So whoever has been there for 12 months, whoever has been living there for a year or more, is called a citizen of the city. I'm not allowed to have enough from any one of them. If somebody was there for 11 months, no problem. What about somebody who moves in a month after my neder? And he's there for 10 years, he's there for a year, he's there for two years. Does it include him or not? Big machloik is between the Ram and the Ritva, Tudor Shainim. The Ram says, no difference. The neder includes even a person who will move in later, even though when I made the vow, he was not from Anshayir. He was obviously not a citizen. He wasn't even there. So here you have a funny thing. Somebody who was living there at the time, but not 12 months, I could benefit from him. Somebody who moves in after the neder, Iran says, if he becomes a citizen, he lives there 12 months, I'm not allowed to have enough from him, and he proves that this is the view of the Rambam. The Ritva argues, the Ritva says, does it make sense? I made a nether today from Anshir today, not from Anshir tomorrow. <laughs> I made a nether today from Anshir. You're not Anshir, you live in Switzerland. You're going to move here in 20 years. <laughs> You're going to move to this city in 20 years. How does this person suddenly become part of my nether? The Ritva completely argues with the Ram. The Ram says this is the view of the Rambam. Again, what is the logic of this argument? Let's now go to the next source. This is a Toysvis and Saited of Chavgimel You know, there's a minig by some communities. 
Soita has Memtes Dafim, 48, 9, 48, if you start from Daf base, 48 Dafim. So there's a minig by some Yidin to learn Mesechta Shvuas during Sphira Saimer, which also has the number of Dafim of Sphira, and Mesechta Soita during Sphira, which also has the same number of Dafim. It says in Zayar that it's also connected because Latayr Isha Labayla, the count of the seven weeks, is similar to the count of the Shiva Sime Nida, the Shiva Sime Ziva, seven times seven, to purify and be able to sanctify the relationship between husband and wife. So there's a very interesting concept in Saita. Just a reminder Saita, which existed during the time of the Beis Hamikdash, was a unique phenomenon in which suddenly God became the marriage therapist. Usually, God does not get involved directly in marriage counseling or therapy. There was one exception, and that's the law of Saita. The man is extremely mistrusting of his wife. He feels there is betrayal, he feels there's disloyalty, and there is there's good reason for it. There is no way he trusts her on her words. She says, I'm innocent, he says, you're not innocent. The Rebbeinu in a unique moment, in order to establish peace in Jewish families, to create Shalom Bayez, says, you know what? I'm going to mix in directly. Give her my water to drink. Give her my water to drink. In the water you have the Shema Mephoyer, God's name. She offers a carbon mincha, an offering from, from, uh, from flour of barley. On the Mizbeach, the Koyanim eat the rest. If the water kills her, there was betrayal. If the water doesn't damage her, to the contrary, the water blesses her, Hashem is saying, you have a good shidduch here. So now the husband is going to come home, he's going to argue with God, he's going to tell his wife, oh, Hashem is wrong, he doesn't know who you are, I know who you are. This is the concept of Saita. Says the Mishnah Masech to Saita, Davchav Beis and Davchav Gimel, what happens if the husband is a Koyin? The husband is a Koyin, there's a halacha that every mincha of a Koyin Every mincha of a kayan is never eaten. It's burnt on the mezbeach completely. Usually, carbon minchas, there's the kaimitz, there's the part of the flour or the matzah that goes onto the altar, and the rest, the shirayim, are eaten by the kayanim. But a minchas kayan is burnt on the mezbeach completely. If her husband is a kayan, right. it's joint property, so he brings the mincha with her, He's a Kayan, so the Mincha has to be burnt. She's not. Her Mincha doesn't have to be burnt. So what's the Halacha? So the Gemara said, the Mishnah says, and the Gemara explains, that basically what happens is, you burn the Kaimits on the Mizbeach, and the rest can't be eaten. Because you're in a binding situation. You can't eat it because there's a partnership of the Kayan. Right? You can't just burn it on the Mizbeach because it's the woman's Mincha. So it's nishraf, and it's like a carbon that, it's a kosher mincha, but there's nothing you can do with it. You're not going to sell it. You're not going to give it up. It's kodesh kadashim. So you have to burn it over there in the base hadash in the place that they burned carbonas that weren't eaten for whatever reason. They were tamay, etc. Even though it's a kosher, it's a kosher mincha. So Toisvis asks a moiridika question. What's Toisvis' question? Toisvis cited of Chogimovim time. Since the man has a part in her mincha, so it's a mincha of partners. How do we know I have a part in it? Because the Mishnah clearly says if he's a koyin, 
it can't be eaten by the other Kayanim. In other words, he's considered a Shutta. If somebody was about to offer a mincha offering and he passes away and he has two sons, Craver, they can offer it. It's not called a partnership. It's not that the children own it. They don't own it. If it would have been defined as a partnership, it couldn't be offered. Because by the mincha it says, Nefesh v'hachiktani b'sifri behedya. Meaning this, by every carbon there's a halacha, partners can bring a carbon. You and I could say, you know what, let's bring a carbon together to Hashem. We want to give a contribution to the Beis Hamikdash. You give 50%, I give 50%, you give 30 I give 70 And we bring a carbon together, no problem. Partners can bring a carbon. There's one exception, a carbon mincha. A mincha can only be offered by an individual. Why? Because by mincha, the Pasuk says in Vayikra, V'nefesh ki sakriv b'karbim mincha. A soul, an individual soul, not souls, a soul. V'nefesh ki sakriv mincha. Only one person could bring a mincha. Ask Faisus, we have here a problem. Mincha soita, who brings it? It's a partnership. The Gemara says, clearly, if it's a partnership, it doesn't work. How does this happen then? There's a major problem. You can't bring a carbon mincha, so you'll say it's not a partnership, it's hers. If it's hers, she's not a kayan. Let the kayan eat it. Interesting question. Vyashloimar answers Toisvis Kivan the Iker Kaparimishum Dida Nefesh Karinamba. It's a partnership, but since it's brought because of her, her atonement, it's called Nefesh. This is what Toisvis answers. So so is it a shutfas or is it not a shutfas? First you tell me it's a shutfas. Then you tell me it's Dida, it's hers. It seems like a little bit of a paradox here. Let's learn another Gemara, also Saitid Afidzayan Amad Aleph. Darish Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva said, everybody knows this, Ish Isha Zachu Shechina Beneya. When a man and a woman merit to have peace in the home, the Shechina is among them. Loizachu, they don't have merit. Eishai Chaltan, there's a fire of destruction that consumes the marriage. Marriage is never easy. If the Shechina is between them, then, if there's, if, there's, if there's shalom, the shechina is there. If not, there's a fire, and the fire is not always a positive one. The fire of the woman is more intense than the fire of the man. Because Eish, Ish and Isha, of course, have the letters of Eish. They also have the letters of Hashem's name, Yud and He. So Ish v'Isha Zachu. When there's peace between the man and the woman, they bring together the Yud of the Ish and the He of the Isha. So you have Yud and He, which is God's name. And this creates a beautiful marriage. When you get rid of the Yud and the He, so what are you left with? You're left with a fire, and you're left with a fire. You're left with two passionate people, people who have temperaments, people who have idiosyncrasies, people who have egos and insecurities and fears and needs, people who have very different personalities. And when it's my fire and your fire, we butt heads against each other. There was once an ATT uh, from the telephone uh, company, AT&T salesperson who comes to a home and he rings the bell and the guy comes to the door, he says, how can I help you? He says, I'm from AT&T and, uh, you know, we have a great, great new product and I'm looking for the master of the home. Who is the master of this home? I would like to speak to him. The man says, you know, you knew exactly the right time to come, but you'll have to wait up for 10 minutes because this exact question is being decided in the kitchen right now. So, you know, when you have Aish and Aish, so it's fire against fire. Personalities are complex. Relationships are complicated. I don't have to tell you. 
But Rav says, by the man, the Yud separates the Aleph from the Shin. By the woman, the He comes after the Aleph and the Shin. Because a woman's fire is much more intense, much more sensitive, much more powerful than a man's fire. Men are often out for lunch. They're clueless. They're not even sure if they're alive always. A woman's sense of vibrancy is very intense. So Rave makes this fascinating observation. So what's Rabbi Akiva is telling us? When there's Zachu, you have the Shechina, you have the Yud and the Hey. Ah, Amachaya. This is the glue that keeps a marriage together. It keeps the fires harnessed to create warmth in the home rather than havoc, chas v'shalom, and destruction in the home. They say about Rabbi Shalom Zalman Oyabach, Zatzad Rosh Hashiva of Kol Torah, one of the great poskim of the last generation. One of his Talmidim was escorting home, him home in the neighborhood of Shari Chesed in Yerushalayim from Kol Torah back to his home. So when Rabbi Shalom Zalman was about to walk up the steps to go into his home, he started to straighten up his clothes. He straightened out his Yerushalayim hat and his kapota. So one of the Talmudim says, Rebbe, may I ask a question? Usually when people leave the house, you know, they stand in front of the mirror, you make sure the tie is straight, everything is even, you look good, you look groomed, you go, you're going to work. When you're coming home, now it's time, now it's time to loosen up, now you don't have to dress up. So Rabbi Zalman told him, by Mir and Shtub, in our home, is Baruch Hashem Dosh Shalom. There's tremendous peace in the home. So therefore, Shechina Shruya B'nehen. The Shechina is in my home. I'm going home to see my wife. For me, it's Kabbalah's Pnei HaShechina. I'm also going in to welcome the face of the Divine Presence. And that's why I have to make sure I'm groomed. What a lesson in life. The other, a few weeks ago, uh, Friday night I was davening by Rabbi Rudinsky. So he told over a story that in Tells, in the yeshiva of Tells in Cleveland, there was a woman, a wife of a Kailo younger man, who was learning in the Tells. And she called up the Rosh Hashiva, Rav Matal Gifter. And she tells Rav Gifter, she says, you know, my husband is not taking out the garbage anymore. Why? He says it's Kavad HaTorah. He's a Kailo younger man. He sits and learns. It's disrespectful for the Torah if he takes out the garbage. So therefore, he's not taking out the garbage anymore. So she asked Rav Gifter, what am I supposed to do? He says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. She says, what are you going to do? He says, I'll take care of it. The next morning, Rav Gifter shows up at the, their apartment. He rings the bell. It's early in the morning. The man, the Kailo young man, opens the door. He sees Rosh Hashiva. He's shocked. He says, Rebbe, what, what do I owe this honor? He says, I'm here to take out the garbage. He says, what are you? You're here to take out the garbage? <laughs> he says, I heard... That mitzat kavod hatayra, you feel it's beneath you to take out the garbage. So I came to help your wife to take out the garbage. Right? So uh, of course the situation was probably remedied. So I assume. So this is the, the statement of Rabbi Akiva: Ish ve'isha zachu shchina shruya beinehem. You have the yud, and you have the. And now let's see one more gemara. Yerushalmi brachas perikay. We all know. On Shabbos, one of the 49 labors that are forbidden are koisiv and moichik. You're not allowed to write on Shabbos. You're not allowed to erase on Shabbos. What's the shear that you're liable for penalty, let's say, to bring a carbon chatos? If you did it by mistake, you forgot it's Shabbos. You forgot you're not allowed to write on Shabbos. What's the shear? 
Mishnah and Shabbos, Perik Yud Beis, Shtei Oisius, two letters, two letters, that makes you liable on Shabbos. You're not allowed to write even one letter, Chatzishir, Asimena however, two letters on Shabbos makes you liable. Even though it's a long word, it's only the beginning of a word, but two letters is the chiv of Kaisiv on Shabbos, not one letter. Comes to Yerushalmi and says, Hakal Moidim, Bekaisiv is Hashem, Atsha Sheyashla. If you're writing Hashem's name, you have to complete the name. Two letters is not enough. If you're writing the name of Hashem, Atsha Yashlam, here it's different. You have to complete the name. What's the logic behind this Yerushalmi? So, all of these sources we were learning were not as disjointed <laughs> as they appear from first glance. Actually, they all add up to really teach us one idea. In the writings of the Rogachover Gon, Rabbeinu Yosef Rosen, Rosen, who we have discussed numerous times in our Shiurim, in many of his writings, he is the one who addresses this idea that we're going to discuss and brings all of these sources to demonstrate the relevance and potency of this idea within Chazal. Generally, throughout history, there have been two perspectives about life, about humanity, about civilization. One sees the Tzibur as the focus, one sees the Yachid as the focus. One view which has been most emphasized in the philosophy of socialism by Karl Marx, and then developed into a political hellish reality as a result of the Bolshevik and then communist revolution in 1917, which gave the Soviet Union and its millions, hundreds of millions of residents the agony of communism, sees the tzibur as the core. The collective is what matters. The individual is simply a part of the collective. The individual has no value outside of the collective. The individual is not even entitled to ownership. There's no you. There is the tzibur. There is the country. There is humanity. There is the group. And you're just a little peg. You're a little screw. You're part of it, of course. But the main thing is the collective. The game goes on. And some philosophies believe you have to sacrifice. And you could sacrifice on the altar of the tzibur, the benefit and sometimes the life of the individual. Another philosophy on the other extreme is no way. It's all about I, I. It's all about the individual. Capitalism, democracy, all highlight the value, the rights of the individual. They speak about our generation as the me the me generation. Everything is I, 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 our technology. You have the iPhone, you have the iPod, you have the iPad, 
Everything is I. And even when you have a game that's finally called we, it has two eyes. In the most extreme fashion, this is the concept of anarchy. You know, in contrast to socialism and communism, anarchy where there's absolutely no collective, no tzibur that defines how things work. It's all about my individual self-expression, the way I believe is the right way for me, the way I feel is, is, is good for me. Two very different philosophies, and really running a country, creating any type of system, whether in a gov- government, a community, a, a land, a city, a, a shul, a yeshiva, an institution, is always navigating the tension between the yachid and the klal, between the tzibur and the prat, between the klal and the individual. And the tension is not, is not easy. So we all understand that there are two different views, and we always see there are some situations, some types of people, some organizations, which some governments which focus more on the yachid and others that focus more on the tzibur. Others will sacrifice the collective for the individual. Others will sacrifice the individual for the, for the collective. You see this often in very many different types of yeshivas, for example, right? Etc. But the question really that we want to address is a much deeper one. And it's a question that was first raised by the Rambam in his philosophical work, Meirin Nevochem, the guide for the perplexed. And the question is, is there even a concept called Tzibur and Klal in an authentic way? Not B'Shem HaMushal, not as a borrowed phrase, but is there really such a reality called the Klal, called the Tzibur? The Meirin Nevochem, for example, the Rambam and Meirin Nevochem says, the concept of Klal is a conceptual one, not one rooted in reality. Because basically what this view says Life is about individuals, it's about prat, it's about details. You can have one person, you can have two people, and you can add another person, another person. So you'll have 10, you'll have 20, you'll have 100, you'll have 1,000, you'll have a million, but it's a million ones, it's always about the one. Just like you have it with people, you have it with horses. You have one horse, and then you have another horse, and then you have 100 horses. And of course, with more details, with more ones, you have more power, you have more mass. You have more energy, you have more resources, you have more quantity. But there's no qualitative, essential differentiation between one prat and many pratim. It's just more and more and more and more pratim. What we call kalal, what we call a collective, is only a conceptual idea in the abstract. It's not rooted in reality. This is what the Rambam writes in Marinavuchim. He says when we speak about reality, it's always about one and another one and another one and another one. That's one view. There's another view. And the other view is that perhaps there is a concept where there's a certain point where pratim, where individuals, so to speak, melt away and congeal and assume a new identity, which we call the identity of the klal, the identity of the collective, the identity of the tzibur. And then the details, the individuals, are simply a reflection or part of a collective identity which is really a oneness that is not about one and another one and another one, but a oneness that transcends any individual. But this abstract, this, this abstract reality of oneness is reflected in each individual which is part of that oneness. And this 
would, would, would believe and postulate that there's a concept called the Tzibur and called the Klal. Take a look now in the words of the Rokachover, who sees that this was the argument between Rabbi Yosei and Rabbi Akiva. So you'll take a look. Mikhtavei Torah. You have the source of Yerushalmi. Go down a few paragraphs. Mikhtavei Torah is a fascinating volume, an exchange of hundreds of letters written in the early 1930s between the Rogachover Gon and a Jew named Reb Mordechai Kalina. An anonymous, nobody knew him, a Gon Oilam, and they had hundreds of letters exchanged that were printed in Mechtavi Torah. I don't know, I don't remember the number of letters, but a huge amount of letters. So the Rogachover says this about the Rambam. Strong words. The Rambam mocked, he mocked, log, he dismissed, he scoffed at those who believe that Metzius and Pratim are two separate realities. In other words, there's something called the abstract collective reality outside of the Pratim. No, everything is just another Prat, another Prat, another Prat. For convenience, we talk about a community. But what is a community? It's just individuals. Log. says, this is a very important concept. Machloikas bekamadvarim b'shaska b'tziburu pratim. It's a machloikas that pervades through many sugis and shas. Im ha-pratim heim chelik tzibur, oi metzius b'fnei atzma. Basically, if the tzibur is simply a combination of many pratim, or there is a concept called community, collective, a oneness. Now you have to figure out the rest. What is Rekachova saying? This is the argument between Rabbi Yosei and Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Yosei says, you have ten Jews. It's a glory for the Rebbeinu Shalolam. Nevarech alekeinu. You have a hundred Jews. Wow. Nevarech l'ashem alekeinu. You have a thousand Jews. Now you have to say, Nevarech l'ashem alekeinu alekei Yisrael. You have ten thousand Jews. Beroiv am hadras melech. There's a new energy. There's so much more. There's so much more power. There's so much more covenant. There's so much more glory. Now, you don't just bless God. Now the glory of God that's revealed with so many more Jews is so much more fantastic. Now you got it right. Even Rabbi Yisrael Lili stops after 10,000 Jews. For whatever reason. <laughs> Maybe Eilad Avasayif, or perhaps there's other reasons. Rabbi Yisrael Lili holds its protein. 10? Wow. 100? Wow. A thousand? Wowee! Ten thousand? Awesome! It's Gavalt. That's Rabbi Yisraeli's shit. Rabbi Akiva says, the moment there's a minion, the moment there's ten Jews, something happens. A minion is not just a halacha. That when you have ten ones, you could say Baruchu, you could say Kaddish, Dover Shebekdusha, Ein Dover Shebekdusha, Pachas Ma'asara, the Chazal say, what ten Jews accomplish, what a minion accomplishes is a qual 
qualitative difference, not a quantitative difference. It's not just an addition from 9 to 10. You didn't just get one more, which is, of course, significant, because every person adds something. We all know that. What happens now is there's an oil. There's an expression in the Balatanya in Hasidic term. There's an oil ha'oyla al kulana. The, the synergy, they call it today synergy. The synergy is deeper than just the sum of the parts. It's not just you have one, another one, another one, another. What, when, when there's ten, a new metzius is created. And the metzius is not something you could point to your finger. It's just one more guy. It's one, and, and as we know, the tenth guy could be Moshe Rabbeinu. The tenth guy could be Rabbi Akiva. And the tenth guy could be a simpleton. But if you have nine Moshe Rabbeinus, a baruch you can't say. And if you have that tenth person, the simpleton, suddenly, oops, suddenly, the halachic status changes. So Rabbi Akiva says, there's a transformation. And once that transformation happens, a thousand, ten thousand, it's of course significant, you have more people. But as far as the uniqueness, the transformation from Prat to Klal, it happened at that point. And the more details are additions in the world of Pratim, not in the world of Klal. And therefore Rabbi Akiva says, the Nusach changes just like by Tefillah. Yes? Does Rabbi Yosef HaGlili deny that there is a fundamental transformation. Perhaps he denies it. Perhaps he doesn't apply it to Birchus Hamazen. Perhaps by tefillah he would agree, not by benching. Perhaps, I say this on my own, tefillah is all in all a spiritual experience. Birchus Hamazen ultimately is a physical experience. You're blessing God for the food. Perhaps Rabbi Yisraeli says in tefillah, People are anyway yearning to transcend their individuality and return back to the source of oneness. Berchus Hamazen perhaps doesn't have that capacity. That may be, because you see by tefillah he agrees. Or maybe he denies that concept. I'm not sure about that. The Rakhachava would know, but I don't know. And the Rakhachava I don't think says it clearly. If this is the case, this is the argument between the Ran and the Ritva. I made a nether. I'm not going to benefit from whom? From Anshayair. From the citizens of the city. What is Anshayair? What are the citizens of the city? Is it all Pratim or is there a Klaw? Anshayair means, okay, you all happen to be living in Muncie, New York. You all happen to be living in Los Angeles or in Chicago. In Toronto or in Shanghai. In Jerusalem or in B'nai Brak. So there are borders, but essentially it's Pratim. It's one guy and another guy and another guy. They happen to be neighbors. They happen to be all bound up by the boundaries, by the borders of one city, and therefore the bylaws or whatever, the constitution of that particular region applies to them. Obviously, these are technical, pragmatic, utilitarian functions in order to keep a society together for the benefit of people. But essentially, what are we dealing with? One man, another man, another man, another man, another woman, another person, another child, another, etc. It's all pratim. Or, maybe there is something called anshiyair as a collective. Says the Rokachavah, this is the argument between the Ram and the Ritva. And let's see his words. Let's see his words. Okay. 
Tzofnas Paneich Madura Tinyana, page 140. You see, it's below the source of the Yerushalmi. Is it very hot here? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not the only... Uh, I thought maybe I'm sweating today more than usual, and I don't know why. <laughs> Is there a way to turn off the heat? Anybody? Huh? Okay. Why did I have to be the genius to come up with the idea? <laughs> no. No. You'll soon see today's show is going to be about individuality. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Tafnas Panech, Madur page 140, go to the middle of the line. Shalos Hachuvah, Tafnas Panech. Tafnas Panech is basically the name of the books of the Rakhachavah God. Listen to his words. Kol Dover Shemohumei Hatzibur. Anything that is connected to a community. Yesh Bezariches. There's a lot to talk about. Im Zelipratim Shel Hatzibur, Oila Haklal, Loila Hapratim. When you talk about Sibur, are you talking about? Pratim, individuals, not to a cloud. There's no cloud. The cloud is just a pragmatic usage of humans to make things more convenient. Or maybe there's a concept called pratim. It's actually not about pratim, it's about the cloud. Every prat is simply a mirror, a reflection, a fragment of a collective entity called a cloud, which is one entity. It's a unified, integrated entity, essentially. Look well into the argument between the Ran and the Ritva and the Dharma. And I already told you this argument. When I make a vow not to benefit from residents of a city, anybody who's been living there for 12 years, is, for 12 months, is included in that vow. Anybody who's been living there for less than 12 months is not called a citizen, and therefore they are excluded from that vow. The question is what happens when somebody moves in after my vow? The Ran says that person becomes included in the vow. The Ritva says, no way. What's the argument? The argument is, listen to his words. Do you say that from the Kalal the Pratim are created? So there's no difference if the person wasn't present during the vow. But if it's the Pratim that make the Kalal, in other words, the Kalal is simply just many Pratim. Then it goes only on those who are by the nether. What do we mean? When I said I'm making a nether not to have enough from the citizens of a city, is it just pratim? It's all the details. One and one and one and one. Well, that's what it is. So somebody who's not there, he's not there. He wasn't part of the nether. He moves in five years later. Okay. So if I make the nether now, if I renew it, he'll be there. But he wasn't there then. Because the nether was on whom? The nether was on the Pratim. He's not one of them. He joined the city later. True, I didn't mention names. I just said Anshe Ha'ir, all the citizens of the city. But that is basically Kalalim that is made up of Pratim. Meha Pratim Nasa Haklal. Ein Bechlal Alamasha Befrat, as we say in the Yudgimel Midois. Now over there we're talking about Halachik formulas of how to explain Torah. But as you understand in the world of the Rakhachavah, it's all interconnected. It's the same concept. There's nothing in the Kalal outside of the Prat. It's just more Pratim and more Pratim to the point that it's a whole city. Of course it's important that it's a whole city, but it's really the Prat. 
But if you say that the tzibur is an independent concept, meaning it's not that the cloud are created from the protein. It's the protein are created from the cloud. There's a metzius called a cloud. And that cloud is comprised of protein. Of course, anshe ha'ir are individuals. So now when I make a neder from anshe ha'ir, who am I referring to? Who's in that neder? That sibur called anshe ha'ir. Now, five years later, you move in. And you become anshe ha'ir. Do you become part of that cloud? You become part of that cloud. If you become part of that cloud... You're automatically included in that nether. This is the view of the Ran. The view of the Ritva is Mehaprotim Nasa Haklal, not Mehaklal Nasa Haprotim. If this is the case, says the Rakachover, now we understand why the Talmud Yerushalmi says that on Shabbos, you're not Chayev if you're writing Hashem's name until you complete the name. Why? Take a look, Tzofnas Paneich, Madurit Tinyona, page 140, right below the Yerushalmi. Ze einoi dover mitztarev, chas v'shalom. Rak etzem poshut ve'einoi mischalik. Meaning, when I write a word, when I write a name, what's the value of letters? The value of letters, the value of a word is, they represent a concept. If I write on a piece of paper, Shimon Goldberg, in those two words, Shimon Goldberg, I don't have the body and the soul and the mind and the heart of Shimon Goldberg. But it represents Shimon Goldberg. When you read Shimon Goldberg and you know who he is, oh, you right away have a picture of the person. You know, if you know the person, right? So the, the words are always representative of the image, of the concept. Now usually, most words, even though a word is made up of a few letters, but what is a word? Is a word a cloud? Or is a word just many protim? What would you say? Take the word baruch, blessed. Beis, reish, vav, chaf. Of course, if beis and reish would be disconnected, I wouldn't have the word baruch. But what is really baruch? It's a combination of a beis and a reish and a vav and a chaf. And from the protim, I have a cloud. And therefore, if on Shabbos I just write beis, reish, am I chayiv? Of course I'm chayiv, even though I didn't write a whole word. But so what? Two letters of the word is chashivus. It's significant. Like the Mishnah says there, shame mishmuel. You have shin mem from the name Shmuel. Or they are the, as the Chazal explained in Mesach Shabbos and in Shulchan Aruch, that on the Krashim, on the beams of the Mishkan, right? They were in piers, and therefore they used to have, they used to have, a, 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 they used to have a, a letter for each carriage, one letter, and they would join it with the other one to be able to know which one matches because they were, they were in Zugim, they were in Piers, so therefore two letters is the way it was done in the Mishkan. So you're Chayef. Says the Rekha Tshavah, but there's one exception. What's the exception? Hashem's name. Hashem's name is representative of what? Of Hashem. Hashem is etzem poshet ve'enam is chalik. It's indivisible. It's oneness. That's what it's representative of. It's a klal that's not defined by Pratim. Of course Hashem includes all of the Pratim. God constitutes the essence of every detail and nuance of life, of every cell and every gene, of every heartbeat, of every blade of grass, of every flake of snow, of every droplet of rain, of every speck of dust. But he's not only a combination of protim. Spinoza, Spinoza may have argued, Pantheism may have argued, you're dealing with an etzem poshet ve'enem ischalik. 
The name represents Hashem. So the Yerushalmi says, the Rekachava says, you write a few letters of the name. You have nothing. You didn't write anything. You didn't write anything. When you have the Pratim without the Klal, you don't have it. Because it's Eina Mishalik, it's not Mitztarif. A regular word is a combination of a few letters. When I have the Beis and the Reish, I have something. Because what is it? It's Beis, Reish, Vav, Chof. But if I have only a few letters of Hashem's name, I don't have the whole name. Ich I don't have anything of it. Why? Because what is it? It's an Etzem Echad. And if I split it up and I only took part of it, I don't have that. I have a different creature. And therefore there's no wholeness to it. There's no gather of shame. It depends. If it's taka, yud and hey, the Rambam says, that's a name, ka. Hashem is called ka. But you have, for example, the name shin dalad yud, right? That's shin dalad yud. You write two letters of shin dalad yud, your Yerushalmi says, you're not chayef. Elohim, right? So if you have aleph lamed, one of the names is kale. It's a separate name. You have vavke, it's part of yudke vavke, but it's not the name, it's not the name. Etc. You have the name Aleph Hey Yud Hey Eke, right? Same concept. Aleph Hey is only part of a name. It's not a full name because it's an etzem echad. You have part of it. You don't have it. It's not made up of parts. It's an indivisible, transcendent reality that, of course, includes all the parts. So therefore, you don't have it. We're in a regular, a regular word. Even when you have two letters, it's representative of part of the reality, and part of the reality is essential. If this is the case, we come back now to the story of Saita. And we have now a fascinating association. Take a look at the next piece, Shalshuvah Tafnas Paneach. Kivan the EF Shalas Saita Beloy Ishvi Isha, Havaze Etzem, Veloy Meschalik. Ritsoini Loimar Gamkin Geder Nekuda, Loihar Kovash Chenis, Rak Mizgis. You get this? Okay. Says Rukachover. Toisvis asked a question. Mincha Saita is partners. Her and he. How do I know? Because if he's a Koyan, you say they can't eat it because he has a partnership in it. If he has a partnership in it, how can you even be at Makriv? There's a fundamental problem. We have a cloud that Menachas cannot be done through partnership. You've got a problem. You've got to figure out a different, a different method here. Somehow, the money has to be completely hers, disassociated from him, because there's a halacha that all minchis, and doesn't say clearly in Torah, oh, the site could be with a partnership. So there has to be a different mechanism. Says Rekachover, don't compare this to a shutfus. What's partnership? Partnership is not a cloud. Partnership is two pratim that come together. We're partners. We both invest in a company. We both buy a carbon together. So what brings us together? It's one prat and another prat that joins. But it's essentially an element of shutfus. It's a partnership. And we may both be partners in every part of the property. It's not just divisible 50-50. But essentially, it's two individuals joining together to accomplish a task. To purchase a building, or whatever the partnership is focused on. Marriage is not that. Marriage is a different concept. Let's remember the words of Rabbi Akiva. Ishvi Isha is what? Yud and Hey. Yud and Hey is what? It's Hashem's name. Hashem's name is a prat or a klal. It's an etzem echot. 
What did Rabbi Akiva show about marriage? It's not two individuals. You have a man and you have a woman and they create a partnership, just like in a business. I want to create a company. I need an investor. I bring you in. I need a manager. I bring you in. You have your jobs. I have my jobs. We work together. If we get into a fight, we get divorced. Is that what a marriage is? Two people move into a house. They split the duties and responsibilities. Hopefully they get along. Hopefully they're not on each other's throat. It's just a partnership 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No! It's the Yud and the hay. Hashem's name is an Etzem It's built in Mishalek. It's not a cloud that's made from Pratim. It's a transcendent reality of oneness that transcends the details. If that's the case, it's not a shutfus, it's not a partnership. It's oneness. That's, go look at his words. Kivan the Yevshel is beloy ish v'isha havaz etzem beloy mischalik. The reality of soite can't happen without a man and a woman together. So it's an etzem echad, it's one core, it's one essential, integrated, transcendent, unified reality that's indivisible. What do I mean? When two people buy a mincha together, or when two children inherit a mincha together, can the mincha be offered by one individual? Of course. So the fact that I brought you into the picture is an additional quality that was superimposed on the essential reality. But I ask you now, can a mincha soita be introduced without a man and a woman? There's no such a reality. Every other mincha is about an individual. I bring a mincha, you bring a mincha for whatever reason. A neder, a nedava. So now if I bring somebody else in, it's a new reality. It's not nefesh anymore. It's two souls. But by a soita, the whole concept of mincha soita is what? Could only happen from the isha and the isha. In other words, from the perspective of the mincha soita, there's the oneness called the institution of marriage. And that's what he says. What does this mean? Harkava means hybrid. Joining things together. There are two ways in which things can join together. Like neighbors... That's called Harkava Shchenis in the, in the slang of the Rakachover. It's neighbors living together. We're near each other. But we're near each other. We're joined together. But we're not one. And then there's Harkava Mizgis. Harkava Mizgis means the chemistry changes. You're not anymore you and you're not anymore you. It's one. It's an I. And the I includes two entities. We all know you're drinking a cup of coffee. You take a cup of coffee, a cup of tea here. And there's hot water. Right? And you put in, you put in sugar. You put in Splenda. I don't want to be insensitive to people who don't use sugar. The sugar dissolves in the tea. The sugar dissolves in the coffee. So they're joined together, they're mixed in, and once it's dissolved, you can't find a point of coffee without sugar and a point of sugar without coffee. But there's still the concept of the coffee and the sugar. And if you know what you're doing, there's even ways of (laughs) bringing it to a point where you can recognize the sugar. But then there is where you create a chemical reaction in the food, where you create a chemical reaction in your drinks. A chemical reaction means it's not just you have one reality mixed into another reality, but actually the reality is transformed. The very chemistry of it, the very chemical, molecular structure of the item is transformed as a result of two things not only being mixed in superficially, but the essence of each of them changes. That's what marriage is. 
Marriage is not only two people that join together, even like tea and sugar, to the point where their mamish, their mamish join together in life. But there's a transformation at a deeper level. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva taught this. It's the yud and the he, the yud and the kei, the yud and the hay, which is an etzem echad built in So it's not a partnership. So there's no problem of nefesh. Toisvis's problem of nefesh, one soul. It is one soul. Or to put it in very practical terms, the best recipe for peace in a home is not just that couples are like each other and love each other and appreciate each other. Of course, that's crucial. But equally crucial is the respect for the institution of marriage. The institution of marriage transcends you and I as individuals. There's something called issues. That's where we're completely one. It's not about me, it's not about you. The problem of so many marriages, it's always about me versus you. Can there be a point where it's about respecting the sacred institution of marriage? Who is that about? It's not me or you. It's marriage. It's an institution that is divine, that is holy, that is sacred. That's what I have to respect. That's where unity, real unity happens. So now, let's see one more source. Chagiga. Chagiga. Davava Maralif. You see Chagiga Davava Maralif. Right above Chagiga Davava Maralif, he has these words Kain Gederua Chaguf Tsura Bali Chibur. This is the idea of the spirit of the body, which is a Tsura Bali Chibur. He's giving us a very interesting example. You have the body and you have the soul. Ruach HaGuf, the spirit of the body. Tsura Bali Chibur. Meaning, what is the soul without the body? The soul without the body gives us some understanding of the cloud that's beyond Pratim. And then the soul is enclosed in the body. And suddenly the soul is manifested in your brain and in your heart, in your arms and in your legs and in the multitudes of organs and limbs and sinews and tissue and bones. That's all the protim of life. But what happens when the soul is detached from the body? That's an example of ruach haguf, tzura b'li chibur. You have the tzura, you have the transcendent reality of life that is spiritual. We have no way of defining that soul. But we do have a way of defining the soul when it's in the body. It's expressed in so many different details. But the soul is not just an arm and a leg and another limb and another body. The soul is a ruach that exists even outside of the body. That's the view of Rabbi Akiva. That's what happens with people. Take a look. The Tanya Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, Klolis nemru the Rebbeinu Shalolam presented to Moshe Rabbeinu a general outline of the 613 mitzvahs. The details only were communicated a year later when the Mishkan was built. When the Mishkan was built, that's when Vayikra, the beginning of Vayikra, Vayikra Hashem al Moshe, Hashem calls out to Moshe and speaks to him from the oil Moyed and starts telling him all the details of the Karbonis throughout Sefer Vayikra and many other mitzvahs. This happens in the oil Moyed. Rabbi Akiva Oimer, Klolois, Supratois, Nemru Besinai, Venishnu Bayal Moyed, Venishtalshlu Barvis Moyev. The general principles and all of the details were all given at Sinai. They were repeated at the Mishkan and a third time communicated in Arvis Moyev at the end of the 40 years 
when they were in the plains of Moyav on the eastern side of the Jordan River before Moshe Rabbeinu passes away. Says the Rakachover, this is the view of Rabbi Akiva in contrast to Rabbi Shmuel in many areas. Just like it's true with people, it's also true with Torah. For Rabbi Akiva, Torah is an etzem echad. What is Torah? Is Torah one detail and another detail and another detail? You're learning Arachayim, learning Eredei, you're learning Ebenezer, you're learning Chesha Mishpat. Today you're learning Hilchas Shabbos, tomorrow you're learning Hilchas Erev, and tomorrow you're learning Hilchas Ribis. And the next day you're learning Hilchas Gitin, or Hilchas Yibam and Chalitza, or Hilchas Shutfin. What's the connection between Schita and Shabbos? And the laws of borrowing and lending and interest. And even in Halacha we know, Isura Mimamoyna Loyal Pinan. There's been Adam Lamakim, there's been Adam Lachaveire, there's Halacha, there's Agadah, there's Nigla, there's Nister. There's Evan Ezra, there's Chayshin Mishpat, it's different worlds, different principles, different Klalim. It's a lot. So today you learn one Prat, tomorrow you learn another Prat, and another Prat. That's Torah. For Rabbi Akiva, it's an Etzem Echad. It's one transcendent, integrated reality. There's no Klalis and Harsinai. And Pratis and Oyal Mayad. Klolos or Pratis Nemru Sinai because the Prat is essentially a reflection of the Klal. There's no distinctiveness between them. Every Prat is simply a reflection of the Klal. You see this in another very interesting Machloikas. We're not going to get into it now in detail, but the, the, in Parsha Sisra it says, Hashem spoke all of these words. Lamer. Lamer usually means to be repeated. But everybody was there. When it says, Hashem al Moshe Lamer, Moshe should repeat it, but everybody was there at Har Sinai. What's the Lamer? So the Mechilta says, Lamer is, Hashem said the Ten Commandments, Lamer to be repeated to be repeated back to him, to give him feedback. The Jews responded. What did they say? Rabbi Shmuel says, Al hain hain lav lav. For the positive commandments, they said hain. For the negative ones, they said lav. Meaning, when they heard, respect your father and mother, three million Jews screamed out, hain, yes! And when they heard, everyone screamed, lav! We will not kill, we will not steal. Rabbi Akiva says, no, al hain hain v'alav hain. On everything they said hain, yes, we will follow. On Zohar Esir Mashabbos Lekatre they said hain. On Leisignov they also said hain. Not hain, we're going to steal. <laughs> hain means, maybe some meant that. But according to Rabbi Akiva, according to Rabbi Akiva, hain means we will do what you said. Now I ask you a question. Do we have to argue about everything? First of all, my dahava hava, as the Gemara says in Yuma Dafei, it would happen, happen. What's the difference? They say. Second of all, isn't this all semantics? What's the difference if they said, we won't do it? Or they said, we will do what you said. What's the, you tell your child, I don't want you to cross the street without holding Tati your mommy's hand. What's the difference if your child says, okay, I will not cross the street without holding your hand. Or yes, I understand what you're saying. I will follow your instructions. It's the same message. There's a profound difference. In Rabbi Shmuel's world, there's a distinction. There's hain hain and there's love love. It's a very different type of creature. This mitzvah is positive. You say, yes, I understand it. I will follow it. This mitzvah by nature is a negative mitzvah. Love. I'm going to disassociate myself from murder, from stealing, from adultery, from bearing false witness. 
from being a false witness against somebody. Al hein hein ve'alav lav. According to Rabbi Akiva, kol ha-toyre etzem echot. All of toyre represents etzem echot shmoishol ha-kodesh baruchu. The whole toyre, any detail, mitzvah sese, mitzvah loisese, it's all hein. It's all yes. I will follow your words. I will be, I want to be connected to you. I see the hain in every single detail. Even the not is another way of saying yes, is another affirmation of the relationship. It's shechina shruya, it's shechina shruya b'neyan. So the klolos and the protos are one. That's why we have in the Yud Gimel Midos, where we say every morning, Rabbi Midos. We have klal, or prat. We have prat, or klal. We have klal, prat, or klal. The Gemara says, so here we have the vision of Rabbi Akiva. We see it in Zimun. In Zimun, we see it in Chagiga, the way Torah was given. And we see the view of Rabbi Akiva when it comes to Ishvi Isha, which has ramifications in the laws of Saita and has ramifications in Hilchois. Shabbos. Now, let's see how this applies directly in a very practical way in life. We all know, we all have relationships with people. This form of relationship, that type of, this form of relationship. There are people you love. There are people you like. There are people you love, but you have a problem liking. There are people you like, but you don't necessarily love, right? When you do like on an article, today everything is like. Like, Facebook like, like, like. It's not love, I like. I like you, I love you, I don't know. I guess there are people you don't love and you don't like. But where it becomes complicated is, how do we get to like the people that we love. What do I mean by this? There's people you naturally love. You love your mother, you love your father, you love your siblings, hopefully you love your spouse, you love your children, but it's sometimes hard to like your brother, to like your parents, to like your sister, to like your husband, to like your wife. It sometimes becomes very complicated. And... In the Hashkafa of Torah, we have a fascinating analysis of this distinction, and it's introduced in two different words. One is Ahava, and one is Kavod. Ahava means love, Kavod means respect. Sometimes we say, oh, I like you, I love you, I cherish you, I respect you. It's two very different creatures. There is love and there is respect. And I'll show you immediately. What's the gematria of Ava? What's the numerical value of the word Ava? 13, which is the same numerical value as the word Echot, 1. And this is the difference between love and respect. Love comes from being one. I'm one with my mother. I'm one with my father. In many ways, I'm one with my brother. I'm one with my sister. We grew up in the same home. We share the same genes. We come from the same parents. We exited the same womb. We ran, away on the, we ran around on the same kitchen floor in diapers. 
We know things about our past that nobody else knows. In a way you know your sibling. The way your sibling knows you is even better than your spouse knows you. Because there's something about, about your, your youth, your childhood that your sibling feels, your sibling knows. There's an essential relationship. You're an extension of your mother. You were in her womb for nine months. You're an extension of your father. You're an embodiment of your father's seed of life, of your mother's egg. You don't even have a choice whether to be one with your parents. I mean, you may say you don't like your parents and you, you have issues with your parents. America, But you're still one with them. So unless it's really a dysfunctional situation and you're completely detached from who you are, there's love, there's ava, echad, we're one. This is klal. But there's something we call in English like. But in Lashen Kodesh, I think it's much more clear. It's called covered respect. Respect doesn't come from being one. You know what respect comes from? The opposite. Respect means I respect something in you that I lack. Respect comes from appreciating your otherness, that which makes you not like me. That's the concept of covet. Ava comes from the fact that I realize that you and me are one. And the more I realize that we're one, the deeper the love. And when we're really innately, naturally, organically one, like in a case of family, there's natural love. Respect is a different creature. Respect is, I actually recognize the boundaries between you and me. And there's something in you that I don't have, just like there's something in me that I don't have, that you don't have. And what I am respecting is the differences, the otherness, that which makes you distinctive, individualistic. There are those aspects in which we're completely one, and there's those, those aspects where we're protein. I am an individual, and you are a distinct individual, and respect underscores the fact that I appreciate the otherness, and even though it's not me, it's not a reflection of me, it's not a continuum of me, it's not part of me, but that's precisely why I respect it. What I respect, I respect your contribution to the story of life, your contribution to the world, your contribution to my life as a result of you being you, not of you being me. What's the most important thing in a relationship? Is it ahava or is it covet? We're usually accustomed to say and believe all you need is love. You don't need anything else. Now, of course, love is crucial and vital and wonderful and beautiful and romantic And maybe all you need is love. But I want to say, you also need respect. And I'll tell you why. As long as you're on your honeymoon, and you don't see any differences between you, love is perfect. And usually in the beginning of a relationship, when you're blind to all the distinct qualities that separate you from each other, to the differences in you, you just feel that dramatic, romantic oneness, you fly with your love, it's perfect, but then at some point you often sober up. And you suddenly notice, wow, you're so different than I am. You're so different. And here is where so many relationships break, because they don't graduate from Ava to Kavit. Now Ava is the glue. Ava is the cloud. Ava is that power that makes two people one. But kavod is the ability to recognize that there's also a prat. There's also something called the individual. There's something called the cloud that is beyond the prat. That's love. There's a place where you and your mother are really one. Where you and your father are really one. There's the institution called family. There's the institution called marriage. 
there's the institution called Klal Yisrael. There's no you, there's no me. There was a poet in Yisrael. She wrote after the Six Day War, she went in for the first time to Yerushalayim, to the old city, I forgot my name. I didn't feel like I have an individual name. There was no ego left. That's Ava, that's the Klal. But what about the Prat? What happens when I suddenly feel myself and you feel yourself? Can the relationship still thrive? Now you need to learn respect for individuality. Borders, boundaries. You are not me. I am not you. And that's fine. The great idea of Bereshis, Ki B'Tselem Elakim Adam, Adam and Chava together, B'Tselem Elakim means you may not be in my image, but you're still in God's image. I may not be in your image. But, you're still in, but I'm still in God's image. The source of all conflict in history is basically this. If you're not in my image, you must be bad. If you're not in my image, you deserve to be degraded. The revolution of Yiddishkeit was, you may not be in my image, but you're in the Rebbeinu Shalom's image, and he's imageless. So there's no one image that captures him. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Every piece of the puzzle is part of the picture. No piece captures the full picture. It's like the notes of a ballad. Every note is distinct and unique and it's part of the song. But no note independently can capture the whole song. Together, through the pratim, we create the song and then there's that oneness, that klal, in which all the pratim melt away into a larger oneness. And in Yiddishkeit, ultimately, there's always that balance and negotiation between these two supreme values, the yachid and the tzibur. Is Judaism a socialist religion or a capitalist religion? Does it believe that there's no yachid, there's only a tzibur, or there's no tzibur, there's only a yachid? Hillel put it in Pirkei that we just learned yesterday. What did Hillel say? If I will not be for myself, who will be here for me? The Mishnah says in Sanhedrin, it's not arrogance. You have to know there's something at stake in your individuality, in your, in your story. And you have to recognize it. I can't recognize it for you, because I'm not you. But then Hillel says, But if I'm only for myself, then don't I reduce myself to something even smaller than myself when I don't recognize the larger klal that unites us so there's Ahava, which represents the Klal. There's Kavod, which pays tribute to the Prat, the individual that is different than every other individual. It's true with children. I ask you a sensitive question. You love your children. Do you respect your children? All parents, or most parents love their children. Not all parents respect their children. I love you so much and therefore I want you to be just like me. (laughs) And I need you to live up to my expectations. And I don't even see the difference between you and me. You're just completely me. Let's face it, for every Yiddish mama, she may look at her 50-year-old baby and he's still in her womb. He thinks he left, but the truth is he's still in her. But there's another concept. Covet. Covet means... You are not me, even if you're my child. And I have to tune in to who you are, not to who I want you to be. I was given a mission by Hashem to polish your diamond, 
so it could be glow according to its radiance, according to its light. Ahava and covered. It's true with the Jewish people. I maybe share, I may have shared this story. I was once at a conference about anti-Semitism. Somebody gets up and says, Rabbi, what's the difference between Jews and anti-Semites? I say, what do you mean? He says, they both don't like Jews. I said, I'll explain to you the difference. An anti-Semite, and I'm talking about a Balabatish anti-Semite. You know, civilized anti-Semite. Some quote Churchill is saying an anti-Semite is somebody who hates Jews more than necessary. I don't know if Churchill said it or it's just quoted in his name. But let's talk about somebody who hates Jews as much as necessary. You come over to this anti-Semite and say, what's your opinion about the Jewish people? He'll tell you the vermin of the earth. What's your opinion of Israel? They're responsible for every problem that faces humanity. Syria, Egypt, Sudan, Libya, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iraq, global warming. It's all Israel's fault. So what do you think of the Jewish people? Bacteria, horrible, horrible people. But I don't understand. Your cardiologist is Dr. Weiss. He's a Jew. <laughs> He's different. He's a close friend. He's an exceptional cardiologist. But your accountant is Mr. Cohen. He's also a Jew. <laughs> He's one of my closest friends. He's an honest man. You'll never find such an honest man. But I don't understand. Your lawyer is Finkelstein. He's also Jewish. He says, where do you get such a genius of a lawyer? He's been with me for 45 years. But your dentist is also a Jew. Name is Klein. He says, my dentist. What a man. What a man. Look what he has done to my teeth. And your CPA is also Jewish. Of course. What's your opinion of the Jewish people? Horrible people. Cursed people. But what about all these people? They're different. They're unique Jews. They're special people. This is an anti-Semite. Now come to any Jew in the world. Say to Yid, what's your view of Klal Yisrael? What's your view of the Jewish people? Ay, 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 I love the Jewish people. I love them. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your shach and your neighbor, Yanko. Aganev, Agazlin. What about your brother-in-law? A low life, a mushchis, a despicable fellow. What about the other neighbor who sits near you in shul? Don't even get close to him. I wouldn't trust him with a dime. I wouldn't trust him. What's your opinion of Klal Yisrael? Ah, ichablib yidushikinde. I just love God's people. Unbelievable. I looked at this Jew, I said, that's the difference. The anti-Semite hates Klal Yisrael. But sometimes he likes Reb Yisrael. Jews love Klal Yisrael. But we sometimes have a problem with Reb Yisrael. The Jewish people, how can you not love the Jewish people? I'm Hashem. But the individual Jew... Ashlamil, Ashlamazel, a nudnik, a headache, a terror, a selfish addict. It's sometimes easy to love Klal Yisrael, but Klal Yisrael is made up of Reb Yisrael's or Rebetzin Yisrael's. There's the Klal and there's the Prat. And the Klal is the most powerful when you're in that state of idealistic transcendent oneness. 
But there's also moments of Do I create space for you then? I say, no, he's not like me. He's too different than me. So what? This allows you to expand your horizons. This is what respect is. It's not Ava. Now come back to the Gemara in Yavamas, the students of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva's students, and we asked the question, they were students of Rabbi Akiva. And the answer is, because they were students of Rabbi Akiva. This was not only a demonstration of a flaw, it was also a demonstration of a profound quality, but yet it was still flawed. Because they were students of Rabbi Akiva, they were students of the master who taught that there's a klal gadol b'toyre, there's a klal of toyre, and it's v'haftal re'echa The one who taught that ten Jews become a transformative reality, and therefore the text of Zimun doesn't change. The one who taught that ish v'isha have the name Yud and K, which is an etzem echot, bulti meschalik, it's an indivisible reality. The one who taught that klolois sopratis nemru besinai, that Torah is one etzem that's indivisible, and all the pratim of Torah are reflections of one klal, of one etzem, al hein hein, v'alav hein. That Rabbi Akiva raised students, and those students picked up on something very real and profound in Rabbi Akiva. And yet in the glorious tradition of Judaism, there was also something flawed. And here we come to a shtickle of Shem Mishmuel. Vayikra lagba oimer tofresh ayin beis. We spoke about Shem Mishmuel in the sense that if you write two letters, Shin and Mem is Shem Mishmuel. That's what the Mishnah says in Shabbos. So that's why he named the Sefer Shem Mishmuel. A name of Shmuel, part of his name was of Shmuel, Shmuel Bornstein, Shmuel Sakachavar, the Sakachavar Rebbe from Poland, the son of the Avni Nezer, who was a son in law of the Kutsker. So the Avni Nezer was Rebbe Avram Bornstein, and this was his son, Rebbe Shmuel Bornstein, the Sakachavar. Says the Shemi Shmuel, he asks this question How can the students of Rebbe Akiva betray their teacher so intensely? Venire. Respect comes from noticing in your colleague something that you don't have. I may have something you don't have, but there's something about you that I will never have. It's because you're different than me, not because you're like me. That's why I have to respect you, because there's something unique. And this is what I respect. It's your contribution. It's not me. It's not my style. But I have to pay tribute to it. I have to give respect for it. Your personality is different. Your Weltanschauung is different. Your soul is different. Your mind is different. What did the Kotzke Rebbe say? The Gemara says in, in Mesech the Sanhedrin that Kishem she'en partsufei in Shavas kachein dey in Shavas. No two people have the same face ever. Even twins. No two people have the same mindsets. So he says, what's the kishem? What's the comparison? It's two separate things. We don't look alike. We don't think alike. He says, Chazal are telling us something profound. Did you ever see somebody getting upset at somebody else because they don't look like him? Did anybody ever come over to you and show and say, you know, when will you start looking like me? Why do you always have to be different? Can't your nose be as handsome as mine? Nobody does that. On the contrary, we don't want anybody to look like us. 
So he says, so why do you get upset when somebody doesn't think like you? Doesn't look like you. He's not supposed to look like you. He's not supposed to think like you. So that's where covet comes from. Everybody has something unique that's different. And in that sense, they're superior. What about in the limbs of the body? Every limb contributes something that another limb contributes. But you don't say your arm gives respect to your leg and your leg pays respect to your stomach. Why? It's all seen as one. We're not distinct. We're one. It's one body. Or in the words of the Rakachov, it's not Harkovish Chenis. It's Harkova Mizgis. There's one reality called the organism of human life. It's not I have an arm and I have a nose and the nose respects the eyes. We experience it as one entity. So what's the respect? When you have friends who experience themselves as one person with one heart, there's room to say they can't respect each other. You know why? Because they experience themselves as one. If I respect you because you have something unique that I want to receive from you, they have to contribute to me, I can respect you. But what if I truly experience you as one with me? So then the concept of kavod is not here. I believe this was the students of Rabbi Akiva. Because they were students of Rabbi Akiva. Because their Rebbe was the master of Ahaftalarecha So the focus was, you're one with me. I'm one with you. It's hard for me to respect you in your otherness. It's hard for me to recognize and pay tribute to the individuality, to the distinctiveness. And let's try to explain this perhaps a little more practically. And that is, Talmidei Rabbi Akiva believed in when they saw somebody who had a different path in Avodah Hashem. Somebody who had a different mahalach. Somebody who had a different way. Because they felt that they're completely one. So it was difficult for them to pay tribute and create space for the otherness. On the contrary, if I feel that my path is exactly the right path and it's my path and I'm honest, how can I respect something that is so different? But every person has differences. And there's no to Oivdei Hashem who serve God in the same way. Because every soul is different. Every mind is different. Every heart is different. And I need you to be in my image because I love you so much. I can't detach from you. I can't just say, you're a separate person. You're not a separate person. You're one with me. It's too disappointing for me. It's too frustrating for me to be able to recognize your otherness. Or the way the Shem Shmuel puts it, there couldn't even be the concept of respecting the individuality and distinctiveness of another person, I treat you like I treat myself. You're one. The expectations are the same. The demands are the same. The frustrations are the same. This is not true. Every tzaddik has his own 
chamber. It's not like one person. Even though we're beloved as a klal, we're also beloved as individuals. And every person is evaluated according to the nekuda of his heart, which is different than everybody else's heart. I heard from my father the Avnei Nezer, the explanation of him in the Medrash of Ayakal. What's the Medrash of Ayakal? So, right above the Shemish Shmuel, we quoted the Medrash Parshas Vayakal, Shmois Rabba Parshim Amches. The Medrash poses a contradiction. The Pasuk in Yeshaya says, the Rebbeinu Shalolam takes out all of the legions of heaven and he calls them all. One name, Lechulam B'Shem Yikra. Everyone has one name. The Kosov Echad Oimer in Tehillim, we say every morning, Hallelujah, Kitov Zamra, Boina, Haroifu, Lishvur, Elev, Machabish, Latzvaisam, Moina, Mispar, Lakaychavim, Lechulam, Shemois Yikare. They all have names, different names. Ketzad Yiskaimu, Shnek Suvimelu. Do they all have one name? Or do they all have individual names? What's the answer? Are they Pratim or are they one Klal? That's the great question that we're addressing. Says the Medrash. Sometimes Hashem wants to summon them as one. Sometimes he wants to highlight that they're really one. There's one transcendent cloud in which all of them are one. They have one name. They don't have distinct names. But sometimes, L'chulam Shema Yisikare, you're Michal, you're Gavriel. And the Medrash continues, Ein liela l'maylan minayin aflamata. Maybe this is only true above. How do we know it's true below? Shenemar ru'u kara Hashem b'shem b'tzalel. There's cloud Yisroh. There's an entity called Klal Yisrael in which you are not you and I am not I. What are we? The you and the I melt away in a larger spiritual divine oneness in which there's a large uh, symphony that creates a synergy of all of our protein into one larger transcendent cloud. And that's a very powerful reality. And when you feel that, when you experience it, there's no going back in many ways because the sweetness and the truth of it is very compelling because the truth is we all come from one source which is indivisible. And the more you go back to that source, the more you find the cloud. But there's also something else. He loves you as you, which is not like me. I am I, you are you. I've told you the word of the Kotzke Rebbe. If I am I because you are you and you are you because I am I, I am not I and you are not you, but if I am I because I am I and you are you because you are you, then I am I and you are you. That's all you have to know about life. Not much more. This is what most therapists will try to communicate to you over four years of, uh, of uh, analysis. Hillel said, And I just thought, maybe this is how you understand the Psukim. What do we say? Hashem, 
He heals the brokenhearted. He bandages their wounds, their agony. He gives a number for every star. Every star has its name. What's the connection? What's the connection? means you can't just treat the community, the yeshiva, the people, the city, the organization as a clown. Who are you? You're just part of the clown. Because what often happens is that leaves people brokenhearted. It leaves people wounded. It leaves people feeling abandoned, neglected, delegitimized. They don't have yet the security, the confidence, and the sophistication to understand the beauty of the cloud which transcends the prat. Because you never gave them the prat to be able to transcend it. To transcend it. You forced them into the cloud. But you never gave them the gift of the prat, so therefore it's never voluntary. They gave up themselves without ever having a self. That's tough. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, there's Klal Yisrael, but there's Rebbe Yisrael. So now, we come to, find, to the final point, which the Shemesh Shmuel discusses in the continuation of this shtickle. The first three months of the year is Nisan, Iyer, and Sivan. Those who are familiar with the Zodiac, the Yudbeis Mazalas, right? Every month has its Mazal, its constellation, which happens to be, has to do with the fact that in the, already in ancient times, they analyzed that as the sun orbits every month, it passes another group of stars that will see it in a particular formation. So what's Nissan, April? Is Mazal Tle. How do you say it? Arius, right? Huh? Arius. And Ear is Shoy, the bull, the ox. How do you say it? Tarus. Huh? Tarus, right? Yes. The ox. And then you have seven is Tuumim, twins. What do they call it? Gemini. Nissen, Ear, seven. What's the difference between the sheep and the bull? You all know the difference. Sheep follow the herd. They believe in the cloud. Sheep are submissive. They're docile. We call a person, he's a sheep. The ox, the bull, the bull is individualistic. The bull is aggressive, especially when you get on his, when you get on his nerves. Chazal say that the tle, the sheep, they have one voice. They all have one voice. The shayr is the individualistic one. When the Jewish people were born in Nisan, they were born. A child experiences himself as part of his mother, as part of her mother, as part of the family. The infant clings to the mother. When you're still a child, who are you? This is my tati, my mommy, my mishpacha. That is who you are. But then you mature and you become a teenager. And suddenly the 11th commandment becomes whatever your mother says is wrong. Whatever your father says is automatically wrong. Mark Twain once said, when I was nine, my dad was a genius. When I was 19, he was a fool. Now I'm 29, I have a few kids of my own. And suddenly my father has such brilliant wisdom. It's funny how much the old man learned in 10 years. In Nissan, you're the sheep. You're in the herd. You're the clown. Ear is the Jewish people grow. They mature. They grow into themselves. 
Where do we see this? Menachus Samachayam at Beis, the last line. Usfartem lochem shetehei svira lechol echad v'echad. The Gemara says in Menachus, there's different counts. The count of Shmita and Yoivo is done by Bezdin on behalf of Klal Yisrael. What about Svira Soimer? Am I mechuyuf to count? It says Usfartem lochem in Parshas Emer. Shetehei svira lechol echad v'echad. Amar Abaye, Menachus daf Samachol. Amar Abaye, mitzvah lemimne yoimi. There's a mitzvah to count the days. There's a mitzvah to count the weeks. Hayoim shiva yomim shehem shavua echad loimer. Hayoim shmoina yomim shehem shavua echad ushnei yomim loimer. The days and the weeks. And the commentators struggle. What's the point? Amei Martake said no. He didn't do the weeks. What's the point? Rabbeinu Yeruchim has a chiddush in alocha. Rabbeinu Yeruchim says that today... The days are minatayra, the weeks are midirabonon. Svartim lachem imacharus ashabas miyom aviachem asemer atnufa shavash habasas tmimos. The count of weeks depends on the carbon aimer. The count of days stands independent of the aimer. Shit of toisvus is that all spheres aimer is midirabonon. Shit of the ramam is that all spheres aimer is minatayra. Rabbi Yerucham says depends the days of the weeks. What's the difference? I ask you a question. Do you have to be a rocket scientist to know that nine days is a week? And two days? Do I really have to say that? Do I have to say that 14 days is two weeks? Just say, What's this mitzvah? There's two psukim. That's Abayah's source. What's the logic behind it? The answer is, of course, what's the difference between days and weeks? One is prat and one is klal. Days are individual. It says in Zohar, every day something else was created. Every day has a different energy. What's the week? The week is the summation of all the seven days. Congeal into one day. Which is represented by Shabbos. Which is the cloud, The summation. The transcendent point that brings all the weeks together. The minig of the Arizal is that before the you say six Mizmarim of Tehillim was accepted in all Jewish communities. And Shirul Hashem, why six? Corresponds to the six days of the week. And then you say, Mizmer Shiloyim HaShabbos. And the Mekobolim say that each Mizmer, you fix up what you did that day. Shabbos brings it all together. It's the Shavua, it's the week. In life, how do you count your life? How do you define your life? As an individual? Or as part of the Klal? Amar Mitzvah Of course, there's a value to the week. But there's also a Mitzvah to count the day. But there's also a mitzvah to count the weak. There is love and there is respect. And when you respect yourself, you can respect others. You respect others, you can respect yourself. And then there's Ahava. There's the oneness in which we're all really one. The Yerushalmi says in Masech Adarim, what's the logic of Ahava? He says, imagine, imagine, if by mistake, you're cutting something with a knife, and by mistake, you cut your finger. One finger cuts another finger. He says, what are you going to do? You're going to take the knife and now cut the other finger? He says, you got to be a fool. You know why? Because it's one body. Who are you punishing when you cut the finger that cut the other finger? You're punishing the finger that was cut. So your Shalmi says, you go and you strike somebody. You take revenge because you believe they hurt you. He says, ultimately, you're becoming detached from yourself. It's one organic whole. So Talmud Rabbi Akiva said, what respect? We respect. Vu covered, we covered. 
We're one. We're one. You are me. I am you. Salz ain't showing. It's a showing. Tamidi Rebbe Akiva Leinagu covered. But Svira is the time of ear. You go from Tle to Shoir. And when you become a Shoir, you could start goring. So what happens in the month of ear? Tamidi Rebbe Akiva Leinagu covered Zebazah. And this ultimately undermined their very identity. Entire punishments are not punishments. I want to punish you. I want to take revenge. A punishment is a natural result. As a result of disrespecting each other, they detach themselves from ultimately their own source of life. Their own source of life. Because their source of life acknowledges the fact that there's you and there's I. This l'chulam shemo yisikare. Ru'u kara Hashem b'shem b'tzalel. And b'tzalel is b'tzalel. Just like Uri is Uri. Michal is Michal. And Gavriel is Gavriel. And therefore, the mitzvah of Sirius Haimer is to count the days and to count the weeks. Because at the end of the day, and at the end of the count, we are all one we are all individuals, and ultimately, the klal needs the prat, and the prat needs the klal. In every prat, you have the klal, and in the klal, you have the prat, and both of them are essential components in the mahalach of Yiddishkeit, and in the hashkafa of Yiddishkeit. We are, we are both one, and we are all individualistic. I love klal Yisrael, and I respect Rebbe Yisrael. Thank you. Have a wonderful week. Next week the shear is on. We. 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 Rabari eleven. You know Rabari eleven, the Sadik of Yerushalayim. Rabari eleven, he was a see once his wife had an issue with her foot. She had a promise, she went to the doctor. They went to the doctor together. So somebody said he the doctor said the story came to the doctor. He said, "My wife's, my wife's, <laughs> I mean, say, my wife's leg hurts us. Unzer fuss is to Our leg is hurting." Slacha. Yo. Just I'm sorry. I'm just want to. I'm not. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not more important. <laughs> okay. Same thing. <laughs> It's interesting that the, that the uh, derivative shows up. It doesn't say that a man and a woman are one. Since, since the carbon of Saita is one, therefore it's not, it, it's, it's a, it's not a double on different. Because I was thinking, what's Tesla's culture? Ishta Kagufa. There it is. They already lost that. That's why they're here in front of us. Very good. So the only thing that's left is the Is the Mincha. Is the Mincha. is still one. But they are not, they're no longer one. So you're saying, you're saying you can't say you should take a goofy because they're, they're in such a fight. So there's no, there's, that relationship is gone. What, what still unites them is the mincha. Very good. Another, another, yeah. The mincha unites them. The carbon unites them. But what is Ani? If Shanila Atsmi, if Ani only means me, then Money. my Ani has to include everybody. Very good. You are part of me, he is part of me. That's, that's why Hillel said, 
So you're saying it may not nili mili, but what is dani? Ani is not the laatsmi. Dani is part of the klal. So what you're saying in sukkah, Hillel said imani kan hakelka, because his ani was the klal. Beautiful. Slacherab.
And if you make a psak din without a debate, without hearing a second sad, you could never be secure that it's legitimate. Like if the debate is, is a bunch of nerves, is excluding... Fine, but he said, not one member of the Sanhedrin said, wait. Maybe we can approach this differently. Let's approach this differently. Let's study his background. Let's see things. And let them fight about it. Which means, in other words, when you're arguing with me, you are helping me. Because if you don't argue with me, I will never know if my position is coming from narrow-mindedness or it's coming from expansiveness. By you arguing with me, you force me to go deeper and crystallize my view so that it can deal with your view. So if, as long as I don't have a second view, I'm not sure that my view is, is accurate. You need the contrast to, to, yeah. to solidify it. So I think this applies very much to what you're asking. Very good. So you say even a very absolutely. He's very sure. Yeah, that's luck. Now, is a husband and wife allowed to be together for a Let's say, something because they are one. Where, where's the? Uh... That's a good question. Are a husband and a wife allowed to bring together a carbon Because, because they if, if a mincha soita, they're not a big interest one. They bring bechlal, a carbon mincha, together. This philosophy, they are really one. Right. Other than any shufas, other than any other thing. How Practically, it's not a question. You understand why? Of course, because we know it's two individuals. No, practically, it's not a question because he could bring it. So it's fine. So the question goes deeper. What, what's the big, big shaila, the shitfas? We, we know that a husband it can give something to a wife and it's hers all the way, even though they're married and they're shitfas. So why not by Kabbalah? So there has to be a lacha that oh. the husband has. Right, but we see that the Mishnah said that if he's a kayan. That's my question. So it's, what's it's the big considered problem? his. I know, what's That's the big the problem? problem? Give it away. Give it away. You marked it to her. What's the Gemini? Oh, I forgot. That's Gemini. I forgot. So to Umim, that's, that's twins. Because what are twins? Twins is you have two people. They look alike. When I see you, I see me. But we're still different. They're individualistic. And that's when Torah was given. Torah was given in the third month, which is not one, it's not two. There's one where there's only oneness. There's two where there's duality. And there's three where there's the integration in duality. So we're twins. In many ways we're one. But we're also individual. So the other thing is... And, uh, and by Torah it says, Ki'ish echad echad. Right? And yet if one Jew was missing, the Torah couldn't have been given. You needed every prat. And even Matan Torah... It was Moshe Mechitzalatzma, Aaron Mechitzalatzma, Yisrael Mechitzalatzma. There were still categories. The other thing was the Yitzhahar is what they weren't prepared for. It says, I mean, Rabbi Berger said it this way, I'll make it quick. He said, you're, you're learning Yeshiva how many years? And two days before you finish, when you're married, whatever, you have a disagreement with the Rosh Yeshiva, it's all gone. It says, this is special Yitzhahar for Rabbi Akiva's uh, Talmidim. It was just waiting for that, as you discussed, and that's... 
It's an interesting uh, way of thinking of, th- of seeing things. Did you did you say that Ahava comes before Kavod in a marriage? I didn't say that. The Why truth is, the truth is that Taras Amishpach is based on this. Okay, go on. Two weeks out of the month is Ahava, and two weeks out of the month is Kavod. That's really what it is. Uh-huh. Two weeks out of the so month. So if I don't talk to her during those two weeks, that means I don't talk? have to talk or, or, or have it's any. Girls, there's talk and there's intimacy. No, I understand. So during the two weeks of covenant, if I'm not interested in, in having, in, 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 it's in, not in, interested. If I'm not, if I'm not interested, if it, it, if, it creates if a thing, cycle of life. If the only life. thing that interests me is the intimacy, then I don't have cover for her. That's of course, that's, that's the point. Okay. The other person is not an object. Right. You learn about the otherness of the person. Right. You're like a friend. Right. And yes, there's a separation. You're not, you're not in control of the person. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. And the other person is not just there for your benefit or your enjoyment. Or vice versa. You actually develop a liking as part of personalities, which are always there. And then there's two weeks out of the month where the Torah says there's complete ava. Right. But again, back to my friendship analysis. And one helps the other. But, but, COVID nurtures Ava but, and Ava nurtures COVID. But with a friendship, you're always forgiving of the other person's no. faults, weaknesses. You're always finding ways of... of because no. of, I think because of you've developed it to the Ava. And you're not able to do that sometimes with your wife. Or you're not able to do that with your children. Or you're not able... Why do you think? I think because you haven't yet accepted the individuality. So you're saying that covet always has to precede Ava. Okay, it says by Yitzchak and Rivka. By Yehava after the marriage. Mm-hmm. Right? In Chayasara. By Yikach Yitzchak is Rivka. The Ava came after the marriage. Rabshimshim Rafal Hirsch in his commentary has a long arichis. In other words, sometimes in civil culture says you love and therefore you get married. And there Yitzchak got married and then he loved her. So it's not pshat you don't get married because you love. It's pshat that the real ava comes as a result of marriage, number one. And number two, sometimes before marriage, what's most important is the respect, the appreciation of the other person. I, I think this is the message I'm taking. I'm, that's why I'm confirming whether okay. this is... Good. Good. Okay. Very good. <laughs> it's a painting. You make your own interpretation of it. <laughs> usually. Usually. Okay. All of these things, there's no one. It's not a, it's not a thermometer. You don't measure it with. <laughs> right. I'm sending regards from. Uh, I have regards from uh, Rabbi New in uh, in Boca, so he listens to your share regularly. Okay. So Rabbi Ruvi. Okay. Shikayach. Tzlocha. Tzlocha both with respect and with love. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's it, with because you because you start off with the premise that you love your children. 
You don't start with the premise that you respect them. Okay, well, with children, it's different than a spouse. They're, born, oh, they're, 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 they're part of you. Right. What's that? You're right, because children are born as part of you. Your spouse is not. Right, but what do you love? With what your you children? Love? You're loving yourself. Okay. You're loving the, the, what, the reflection of yourself. But is that, that's not true love, if yeah. you don't love the unique... In Ava itself, there's two levels. There's called Ava Atluya Bedavar and Ava Shein Atluya Bedavar. Ava Chitzaynis and Ava Atzmis. There's external love. I love you because I love me and you're helping me. And then there's Ava Atzmis that I realize that we're one essence and that's a much deeper love. So you're right. In Ava itself, there's a, a, a more selfish form and a higher form. Which is your example of what you gave with is that correct? But what we're arguing is that their Ava was deeper. Yeah. Rabbi Kiva's Talmidim. But still, the destruction. It just lacked the component of covet. But, but that lacking it can lead to destruction. Yes. Yes, it can. Of course. So it can. Then it's, it's, it's actually, you, don't, you can't respect the other person, especially if he's different so, so, than you. So people say, but I love her. Okay, so what? Yeah, yeah. Good. The main thing is my Sivapoyal. Not the speeches. You hear what I'm telling you? The analysis. The main thing is the mindset. No, I've been there.